Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the second epic episode of the Baby Backs Banter Podcast. I am Mike McDermott. I am the main prospects writer over at Inside the Dimebacks. Joining me today is the main prospect writer for AZ Snake Pit, Wes Beyer. How's it going, Michael? Doing all right. So, in today's episode, we're going to talk about the number five starter competition between four prospects, some lower level prospects outside the top 10 list that we should keep a close eye on and a little bit of a preview towards the 2023 MLB draft. Now that the college season has started for some programs, obviously not all of them, but most of them. So obviously the first thing we're going to talk about is the starting rotation competition for obvious candidates here. Dre Jamison, Ryan Nelson, Tommy Henry, and Brandon Fott. Based on what we know f- from the Dimebacks, both Hazen and Lavelle, I'm sorry, Hazen, Lavello and Strom, they, each player has come up with things to do in their offseason list, and part of the criteria is going to be how they handle that. So I'm not sure what each player did. Well, listening to the... I, I spent last night looking over some of the spring training footage that Jack had taken and then comparing it to, uh, you know, years previous footage and then going over and listening to the audio you sent me strong and it read jameson as like the inside dot that's because his name has been brought up first in every single conversation and then progressively uh nelson henry and then fought seems to be in the conversation too just like you know as like outright name mentioned as he's in the competition for that fifth spot I'll mention that uh, Jameson, obviously, yeah, Jack was able to talk to Dre Jameson. That's actually a video you can look, um, the audio for that interview, you can actually look up on a separate video here on Baby Back's Banner, the YouTube channel, which I uploaded this morning. But Jameson talked about keeping his, uh, Jameson said his offseason goals was trying to maintain and maybe gain a little bit of weight from his listed weight of 165, although he looked about 170 when I looked at him in the locker room last year. And then also fastball location and trying to guess, get more out of that really good sinker that he developed last year. That's kind of the start point. And then from Ryan. I think it's interesting that that Jameson is, his goal was to put on weight or stay the same weight this year, which tells me that like, as, as has been noted previously because he's coming up through the minors that like conditioning throughout the season would be an issue for him so i think really his goal there is to to be able to handle the full workload of the seasons of being a starter if not you know i think a lot of if he can't stay conditioned throughout the season then that's pretty much he's bound for the bullpen so that's a good sign for him that he'll stay in the rotation yeah it was good. worth noting of the four candidates jameson actually had the lowest pitch average pitch count between the minors and the majors but if you split it just to the major leagues jameson actually Crushed the other three candidates in pitch, uh, pitches as his season low in the big leagues was 87. He went as high as 98. So that's going to be I, interesting. Just, just re-watching his games from last season, like they really, like he, I think that really, like he does have the inside shot of getting that fifth rotation spot, like more than like heads and shoulders. I think Tommy Henry is more likely to end up as a long 
long relief for, you know, five and done at most, or like the guy's just going to come in and mop up when everyone's done. I don't really see him staying in the rotation's whole, his whole career, despite some early successes in his major league career. I was going to say, Henry's one of those guys that needs to spot the ball really well, doesn't have much margin. Although I would say of the four candidates, uh, Nelson really is the only one that can miss over the fat part of the plate and not get hammered. That's kind of the interesting Nelson comparison. has looked really, really good in this spring. Just like his, I, I, you can see that each, each of those players has been working on something because there's are very slight differences in their, like I, not a guy that's, uh, like Walston, for instance, has slowed down a little bit. Jamison, I, I mean, he looks the same. Honestly, it's like maybe a little less violent of a leg kick, but uh, I'm, I'm seeing this little slight difference. Like we talked about. Uh, Walton slowing down his tempo just a little bit. And like, that seems to be like, that could make a difference. Jaconi has gotten rid of his violent leg kick. So like, it's clear that Strom has gotten some like just individual homework for each one to work on. And that's really uh, unusual seeing, seeing that as a Diamondbacks fan. Yeah. I was gonna say it's pretty tight with the competition. Obviously there's a lot of pitching prospects coming up through the system. The next two to three years, obviously, just beyond the five players mentioned so far. Actually, sorry, I should say six if we include Walston. But uh, for the most part, like I said, Henry um, Henry probably has the lowest ceiling of the four. Brandon Fott probably has the highest floor. floor if you compare the four prospects, although I think Nelson's floor might almost be comparable to Fott as well because... I think Nelson has the potential to be, uh, depending on how deep he can go in the starts, if he's a five and dive guy, he's probably a f- number four. But if he's able to extend himself a little bit more innings wise and go from like a 160 inning guy to 180, 190 inning guy, he's more of a number th- two, number three guy. Because he's got some really good stuff. A fa- fastball and curveball play well off each other. Slider and changeup are pretty good. Although it's just a matter of uh, execution for the most part and stand and uh conditioning in the middle of starts. So this is Sorry, interesting to back. Um, yeah, no, Brandon, Brandon, what were you going to say? I was, I was going to compare uh, Ryan Nelson to Luke Weaver, who are almost identical height weight, but they couldn't be further different body type wise where, Where you see Ryan Nelson is definitely Luke, Luke Weaver looked like a breeze, like a, a light, a light, gentle breeze could just blow Luke Weaver over. And then Ryan Nelson, you look at, and then compared to Ryan Nelson, you can tell that he's been hitting the gym with his lower half. He's got really, he's got a really strong lower half in comparison. It'll be interesting to see, as I said, Nelson, Nelson I like, needs, that's like, needs to. You can make his breaking ball a little bit more indistinguishable. Redstrom talked about taking the hump out of the curveball and adding a little bit more velocity to the slider. Those are the kind of the two things that probably were on Nelson's to-do list for the offseason. Be interesting to see how that looks once we finally get a like radar gun and get to see it against live competition. Yeah, I'm really curious to see the like where they're throwing in those on the channel earlier the last 24 hours because like it is obvious like Jameson's throwing gas Nelson's throwing gas but you can just like hear the sound difference so I'm really curious like how hard they were throwing I I think Nelson's mechanics look very clean uh 
in that video of that bullpen session, like really clean, repeatable. I can't really find like anything that he's doing wrong. So, I mean, I think that that's, they've been, they did their homework. gonna be just a little bit disappointed that only one of the two guys is gonna make the uh, opening day roster but i suppose so- i still expect both of them to make a pretty large impact on the season as a whole you're not gonna get through with your original starting five yeah i don't i don't see us finishing the year with with madison uh, madison bumgarner is still in the rotation at the end of the season that's a good thing because it means that like he hasn't been horrible, but I'd be really surprised if he actually is still in the rotation or if or if Davies stays in the rotation, considering like they they're much better candidates to um like I mean these I, I I would think that two out of of the four guys will end up having a rotation spot by the end of the year. Yeah, basically the Davies signing is more or less to buy a little bit more time for the prospects because most of them aren't gonna be hitting the that wave's not going to really hit until the second half because the team has yeah the team is going to use for the first half the four guys we mentioned on uh plus the four stars that are already a lock for the rotation so they're eight deep until probably August or September and then they could be like nine they're nine or ten stars deep depending on how Walston Sacconi and Jarvis handle Triple A so it's a uh, well I think that's that's really, probably the reason behind I, it. I mean, I mean, that's definitely, that's a big part of the equation and keeping like in a perfect world, Brandon fought would have, have a, a rotation spot, like out, like out of spring training. He's been that good. Like he's, he, we get the drive. Does he qualify as a like, draft pick bonus? If he's like, yeah, he does is he one of those prospects where we get an extra pick. He's on everybody's top one. So reason not other than, yeah. So getting him, <laughs> starting him in the minors is not really like that beneficial i think to him i mean he tore up triple a and that's a really like the west is a really tough place to pitch reno is a hard place to pitch vegas is a hard place to pitch uh albuquerque is a hard place to pitch you keep going down the list of teams that are in the the pcl west or triple a west whatever they're calling it now and they're they're none of them are like nice places to pitch other than maybe sacramento yeah sacramento and tacoma are the two breaks in the in terms of Pitching yeah, environments, they're much more closer to what they'll see in the big leagues. I mean, because they're they're sea, they're they're closer to sea level, and all every other one is at least two three thousand feet, and it's it's Oklahoma City is pretty close. Oh to yeah, Phoenix. Oklahoma City is yeah, it's about this. I mean, but the vast majority of the of the AAA West is is a like just as extreme of a pitching environment as as Chase Field or. Even Coors, me not as bad as like Colorado Springs ten years ago, like before the introduction of humidors and all that, and these high altitude places. But those are tough places to pitch, and he did really well. I mean, he didn't really look like he was challenged at all during the twenty twenty two season. Like he was regularly just mowing down batters, having like you know uh, an eight to ten strikeout game seemed to be like the norm. With like I loved it, just have him start the year in the major leagues just as much as Dre Jameson or Ryan Nelson or or even uh, Walston to some extent. I'd like to see, obviously, Walston, some out of the those four, he has the least experience at the highest level. So, um, I mean, he's got 21 starts you in could take two out of those. Yeah. I mean, but you could you could uh, take Jameson and fought and throw him in a major league rotation, and they probably would succeed. I think Nelson probably would, other than conditioning. 
Um, Nelson Jameson combined or he's like for a five and done guy. I was gonna say Nelson Jameson combined for only twenty six starts in Amarillo, but they also okay, had the best numbers about... at that level too. The f- yeah, I mean that's... the best numbers. I mean, they were fantastic. I mean, that's really the thing is, is like I, I get what they're doing by having a Zach Davies. They're comfortable with him. They know what he's going to bring to the table. Um, I mean, obviously, he. I guess he gets along well enough the rest of the team that like he's a good placeholder until you can give these guys the opportunity to pitch at the major league level. I think most of them are basically major league ready, especially Nelson, Jamison, and Fott. Yeah, I think so. Big reason why, like I said, they wanted they wanted some certainty in the rotation. It felt like all offseason that they were going to do something there, even though they were trying to basically distract from it. From media day all the if way. If they the sign someone better than, if they sign someone better than Davies, would would we? I know I'm disappointed, but if they'd actually signed someone, like that would have necessarily been a good thing. If they'd signed someone better than Davies. Yeah, because Davies is a five and like, dive guy with who had close to average run prevention numbers with bad peripherals behind it. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that he keeps going. He's like one of those guys. Like, I I swear he's been around forever. Like I I I, I don't know. As long as I can remember that Zach Davies, well, this guy's been around forever. You know what you're gonna. I'm he's just got seven years of service time. Still going. that little but um he like i mean like the diamondbacks they know what they're gonna get with him even if he's even if he's terrible like that's not that like okay so you you dfa him or trade him and call up one of these guys and then you're good to go uh at least it's not as bad as madison yeah well, the, the like cost for i don't think is, what seven million dollars probably so, yeah that's the main yeah, thing. it's like some like the seven or eight million range. So I mean, like I mean, it's not too much. I understand that they want to see what they have. I mean, I don't think the Diamondbacks necessarily know what they have for sure into some of these prospects and players, and they need they need they need to be given the opportunity to really know. But I mean, I don't. I, I, there's there's pros and cons to having a signing where you're like, okay, so like like I. Uh, Strom said in the interview that Jack did with him, like that he posted this morning, is like it really is very likely there's just the one rotation spot open and four or five uh, spots of uh, pitchers. So, like, there's a competition for four or five uh, spots in the rotation yeah, and, and that bullpen. And then there's a good chance, like, we're 60 days into the season and two rotation, so two other pl- the rotation has changed by at least two players, depending on injuries or if Bumgarner can keep his rotation spot can perform well enough to keep the rotation spot. Obviously, Davies has a bit of an injury history over his career. Last year, the uh, had a shoulder injury that kept him out for five weeks. And they kind of rushed him back and kind of rushed him back maybe a week or two early. And he's trying, I guess, a last ditch effort to try and get someone to bite on a trade. But otherwise, kind of had to expect at least two of them to miss significant two of the initial starting five to miss a significant amount of time. And then that, and then you would have both Jameson Nelson and probably fought in the rotation as a result. All three of them. Also yeah. I mean, it's, be- it's, they're a little traumatized over the injuries. So it's understandable that they'd want some insurance so they don't have to 
like just blow through all their minor league depth in the rotation. Like that's basically what happened last year. Or some guys that like should have that's never they should have never Actually, appeared in the major leagues by like up. as soon as they did. Yeah, no, okay, it was, it was 20, 2021. I take that back, but yeah. So I, I think that's still a little bit of PTSD from from twenty twenty one. So they want to make sure they're not put in that position because they did go through a lot of rotation debt and uh, you don't want that rotate like to burn through, especially if it's the younger guys getting injured and not like a Zach. You'd rather have Zach Davies or Madison Bumgarner get injured than have guys that you have under six years control get like just have their arm burnt through over the course of a season because you never bothered signing the depth or acquiring the guys to have the depth to cover someone in case of an injury. Like we shouldn't just- have uh, what's his what's his name? I just looked at like Jameson. If Jameson Hill is called up this year, the Diamondbacks are having a terrible, terrible season with a lot of injuries. Like, this is a random guy. I was looking at the we're talking back end this. of the prospects. We're talking, like, and like, a horrifically bad year of injuries that would make 2021 look... Wait, like I mean, nothing. he's just outside my top 30, so, uh, like, that's uh, that would be a bad thing if we have guys that, like, really should be double-A to finish this season pitching in the major leagues this season and that's that's happened before so sometimes that that's a good that sometimes it actually is a good thing you get guy experience that you never have and they succeed being thrown in the fire but most guys don't handle that pressure well because there are obviously prospects and in the case there's obviously top prospects that fail and there are obviously non-prospects that or overlooked prospects that end up uh, surprising people obviously the difference between I, I was just noticed that like Jake, Jake McCarthy was ranked 25 on uh or like 25 to 30 range on the prospect list and now he's probably one of the Diamondbacks better outfielders if they if I uh, McCarthy hadn't succeeded like he did last year we probably wouldn't have traded away Varsho for Marino so like he's a classic example of a guy who every once in a while a rule five guy will will break out and but that's not the norm I mean, you're not gonna get Dan Ugla is like a 1% Rule 5 thing. Uh, Dan Ugla, <laughs> Dubon, Herrera. Dan Ugla, J- Jason Bay. Those are the classic cases. So those are it doesn't not always work. It depends on which organization they were taken from, too. In the case of Dan Ugla, yeah, blocked by Orlando Hudson. Blocked no, by Orlando Hudson, DH didn't exist. Yeah, he had nowhere to play. Other than the Mar- and then, of course, he went. He got picked up by a Connor team Jackson blocked him at first base. God. And you had uh Poor G outfield. Connor Jackson. Yeah, so I mean that's that's not the norm. So I mean hopefully the Diamondbacks, like the depth that they've they've acquired over the 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 offseason is just enough that we can end the season with all these guys in the major leagues have a nice rotation that's under control for four or five years and they can have a, a run of success through the rest of this decade would be ideal case be, scenario. Probably not going to happen, outfield, but the outfield will be fine. Like I said, Thomas and McCarthy are probably regular guys. I would say regular, but probably not much more than an average regular starter because uh, McCarthy's not going to hit for a ton of power. And Thomas doesn't ha- neither guy's going to hit for a ton of power. And there are very defense re- and Thomas is very defense reliant. Yeah. Whereas McCarthy think, is very on base reliant. I feel like Thomas was rushed a little bit because he, his pedigree, 
uh, going into like he was much higher, like highly regarded, like he's regarded better. And I think just like having a down season, like he, yeah, he started out strong and then he kind of fell off a cliff after that. I don't have like individual, numbers, but like he feel like the average fan and uh, reporter covering the Diamondbacks is is underrating Alec Thomas. I think he's going to be much better than people think, and he will surprise the season. I won't say that Thomas didn't earn a big league call because he was putting up some pretty big numbers, even for Reno. Like he had a 132 WRC plus, 32% better than the average player, and that counts a little bit for Pitt for a triple A, yeah. although I don't, it was just some things that I noticed when I started seeing video of him in double, I'm like, Ooh, those, that could be exploited. It's exploited at the big league level. Those that's pretty much what I saw. And then how I saw it back then yeah, ended yeah. Up happening at the big league level. Like he, that's an interesting he'll set when he sets up, he's, it's a very, you call the, I guess you can call it a noisy swing. Is the leg has yeah, a big leg it's, kick it's, and then he just throws busy. his body into the strike zone. Those body in the strike zone tends to pull busy. off a little bit. Yeah, he's got so much going on. I could get why you're how you'd make that observation that he would, but he's uh, so be athletic and he has bit. so good, so good hand eye coordination. It still works. Good enough for oh, him to be an yeah, MLB I, regular. That's the. That's why I I really think that like his overall raw talent and like his eye like at the plate is much better than he did last year. And I think that like last year is basically his floor. Like absolute worst, like like that's he's gonna be better. His floor than is I an really average regular. Yeah, he's an he's an average regular. I mean, he could be. He's gonna have a few all stars. Although teams. it might be a platoon McCarthy, guy. I don't, I, don't, I don't think McCarthy's pretty close. McCarthy, to I don't know if he'll be as good as he was last year. Yeah, he's done. He's done a like a above and beyond of what people expected from him. Like this, like. A couple seasons ago, he was considered maybe a fourth or fifth outfielder at best, and now he's a, a regular and well, a good one at that. Gonna, I will rephrase the question. How would you say it compares to how they thought about him in the 2018 draft where he was considered a borderline first-round prospect? It may oh, have been a top-10 okay, so guy yeah, if he if didn't get hurt. So yeah. yeah, actually, I mean, he's pretty much – uh, he's he's very close to his profile before he got hurt like before the draft day. Like he really he probably would have been a top ten guy, um, considering like his brother was you know like a drafted as well and was in, like did, did his brother his ever brother was play a fit- in the major leagues? Or no, yeah, not much. Jake's already got way Jake's already got way more plate dis- plate. Okay, yeah, he's, he's better than his brother. Than Joe. So uh, yeah, no, I think he's pretty much reached his ceiling based on you know, of prospect evaluations then. I I think he got, obviously, like, the injuries got him out of whack, and then his swing was out of whack. He had to make swing adjustments, you know, get his confidence yeah. back, and now he's back to where he was. So he's pretty much circled back around. You're right about that. Said he, and then I asked him about his, because uh, I noticed he was taking a lot less aggressive swings when I was watching him. Asked him about it. He said he wanted to take more of a conservative approach because it was more geared toward oriented getting on base and using his speed as a weapon. Although I do think there'll be a phase where he hits a lot of hits for a lot of home runs because I think there is some latent power in that swing. Although I don't, oh, he's yeah, not necessarily. He's, he does have a bit. Although McCarthy at the same yeah, size no. as Ruth is more of a well, wiry I mean, he's guy. Much, he's, 
he's smart enough that he, I mean to know, like, I mean, if he just relies on his, his natural ability to drive the ball and his speed, like he's going to end up on third or even home sometimes just running out as hard as he can. And just getting a, like this good, uh, co- like quality contact. Like he, you see him run around the bases, like, and he's not Corbin Carroll fast, but he's still really fast. <laughs> There's so, only eight players between those two. There are only eight players in Ryan, Major League Baseball between Ryan, those two. Ryan Nelson. Isn't Nelson the guy who's like beat Corbin Carroll in the foot race? No, like that was Jameson. That was Jameson. Oh, it was Jameson. Okay, so we have the two fastest players, and one of them will never probably be on base path ever. I don't know about Ryan Nelson. Nelson's an athlete, but I don't think it's we're compa- it's a comparable athlete to those to the, the Jameson or Carroll. That's that's just I I I don't know if it works, but it that the whole thing sounds. I assume that Jameson challenged Corbin Carroll to a foot race and he like beat him, and that was that. I don't know the context like, of this. I just think it's yeah, since very we- funny. So we had the NBA dunk contest last night. Should see J- Dre Jameson take a whiff, take a run, run at it. I heard he can actually dunk, and he's uh oh my god, he's not six feet tall. That's based on what I've seen in person. He's a he's I'm I'm tall. like push pushing six seven six six eight with shoes on, and I cannot dunk. Like I can touch I can touch the rim, but I am like. I am just not core. I can't jump that high. That's that's impressive. Yeah, dunk like Bobine. Like You're an just NBA rim. I can really tall ju- and long that you just do this. I, it goes in. Yeah, I can put my hand up and like kind of do that, but like I can't get my like the palm of my hand above the rim. Like I can't jump that high. That's not. I'm not that athletic. I just yeah. Like, so yeah that's, talk- I just have the tall thing. Yeah. Speaking of tall players and Dimex, Randy Johnson was more athletic and stronger than he probably led on. It's just people assumed he was unathletic due to the chalk line fiasco. Oh, he he played he played basketball at uh, uh was did he go to USC? I think UCLA. I forget which. I don't think he had a basketball scholarship at USC, but he certainly would have played basketball in high school for being six foot ten. Yeah, he played basketball like you know growing up. I think I don't think I. I think he was just playing. Uh, yeah, you're right. In high school, he played basketball, but still, like that's you got to be pretty athletic. Like just because you're tall does not mean you're going to be good at basketball. So the fact that Randy Johnson played basketball, he was apparently pretty good. Uh, How many athletic guy, that, non-athletic guys throw 95? Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, unless I'm in great shape, like my best shape, I couldn't, I couldn't top 90. So like you need to be in good shape. You need more than just tall to be able to throw hard. It's like that's a yeah. Like people think just because you're tall, you're going to throw hard, and that's not true. It's you may have like you have to be athletic and have tall the mechanics. And it only yeah, helps you with extension, assuming you have the ability to repeat it your delivery. Like really, the only thing where really does like if you're tall and have long arms, like you said, like I I don't I'm not the lankiest of guys. I have more torso than than arms. And if you see a guy who has who's tall doesn't have the longest arms, he's not going to be throwing very hard. It's just not the, mecha- the mechanics aren't there. Like the physics aren't there for you to get your, the snap at the end to throw the ball hard enough. Like it just yeah. doesn't, you can't do it. So, well, if you want tall and lanky, watch Miguel Castro pitch for the D-backs this year, six, seven, 200. Very, and he's very wiry, very wiry guy. Miguel Castro. Yeah, they just, they signed him in December. 
And then obviously Nelson's another guy that I think gets oh, really yeah. good extension. Ryan Nelson right. gets really good extension, good. which makes his fastball even less hittable. All right. So we're going to move on to – we're going to talk about prospects outside the top ten, which we discussed in the first episode, the top ten. And we're going to talk about one pitcher and one position player at each level that pay attention to and see not just beyond the surface stats, but looking at strikeout rates, walk rates, well, I guess runners in scoring position. We can't really look at pitch shapes, really, because uh, StatCast data won't tell you everything, and they're not as fine-tuned as ma- as the Major League data either. That's kind of the things to take note of. Yeah. So we're going to start with AAA, and we're going to... So our two guys to watch for that will be Justin Martinez and Blaze Alexander. So we'll start with Justin Martinez, since obviously the bullpen is a bit of a sore spot for the roster. So I've, I actually have had seen Justin Martinez in the fall league this year. He's got some swing and miss stuff. I think he could be a back end guy. I don't know about closer, but back end guy for sure. Potentially because of two swing and miss pitches between fastball and the split, which is a profile that has worked in Arizona in the past. You look at JJ puts Jose Valverde, um, Dan Heron. If you want to go with starting pitchers, Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson, those are guys that had good fastball, good split fastballs. Martinez actually does remind me a little bit of Valverde in terms of his like just overall stuff. That's an interesting uh, player to bring up. Uh, I have Carlos Vargas, but I start in the bullpen this year at the major league level. I don't think he'll. So Martinez was the, the guy I initially was going to go with. You already had him, so I went with Vargas. But Martinez is just like he has dominating stuff. Like he throws really hard. Yeah, he's two pitch guy yeah, that can actually, get away with two pitches. Yeah, I've seen Martinez's fastball, both stat cast and thing. His stat cast fastball, he's got really good spin rate, and it's a vertical fastball too. It's got a little bit of cut. Pretty similar fastball profile to Fott. So it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, you can blow fastballs by guys 90, 96 to ninety eight, and then obviously you can. Pair that up with a splitter that's about 10 miles an hour slower. Well, yeah, that would be comparable to Valverde in terms of having a mid ninety, mid to upper 90s fastball and then a splitter about 10 miles an hour slower for swing and miss. Actually, I think they pretty had similar career arcs, minus the Tommy John surgery, obviously, on Martinez. Guys. Uh, Do a quick search on Valverde real quick. See if how quickly uh, my Valverde gets into the Don't say. Okay, so Valverde oh, has minor league He's data been... going back to ninety nine. Oh, sorry. I was just fi- finishing up a search. So it took Valverde four years to get to the big leagues, and it's going to take Martinez five. I mean, six years because of the Tommy John. So I was going to say similar career arcs. That's, yeah, that's. 
previous comparable, and he'd take out the surgery. So Blaze Blaze Alexander, that's that's a guy who we kind of wrote off and then kind of brought it back together and may actually just have a future because we don't have a ton of other infield depth in him. That's pretty much my ton of infield depth, and he profiles for all. Well, actually, kind of profiles all over the diamond. Could be a depends on how the roster shapes up. Obviously, he's not the shortstop of the future, but he could end up at second. Could end up third. Could be a super utility guy. I, like I, I see that's the most important utility part. I have since like I, I've, he can hit one, one. like he can hit surprisingly well. He's got some decent, uh, decent speed, and he and he is very defensively versatile. So I think the super utility yeah, he's got, role he's, or maybe back up middle infielder. Yeah, and he, his offensive numbers like good, in Double A are comparable to Thomas. Good, uh, comparable to what Thomas put up in twenty one. Double A, similar WRC plus. I think they were both at one thirty four. It's worth yeah, noting. He's a uh, he's a guy who's really make or break this year. I think he will be called up this year. I mean, there's really if there's an injury, he's probably one of the first guys to be eh. called up. And then, like you know, if there's an injury to the Vomit's injured, he's might he might make the or team. If, or if Perdomo's not succeeding, or uh, yeah, actually, that's a good. I think uh, Perdomo has the inside track. I think for the backup shortstop role I, because I, he hits left handed. Against right-handed pitchers. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you don't need um, Perdomo against lefties if Ahmed is healthy. Yeah, I I am not a hundred percent sure that Ahmed will stay healthy and is gonna be healthy. I haven't really been keeping too much of an eye on him on spring training, obviously, since I live in, in the Tucson area and I don't have access to games, but. Um, I don't. I. I. Ha, has he showed up at spring training yet? Do you know? No, I haven't had a chance to go. But pitchers and catch uh, oh, okay. position players just, are reporting yeah. tomorrow, so maybe we'll see some live abs. But you're not going to really see much until so it just, least, it until just, it starts. It was just Jack there. Okay. So yeah, based so, on the okay, article, that, and I, for my my two, did you just? You know what the interesting part is? They weren't originally planning on sending him to Double uh, A, but injuries for kind of forced at the higher up, kind of forced their hand in there, and he just ended up being thrown in the fire and ended up putting it, <laughs> ended up catching on fire offensively. Yeah, he's well. His name's Blaze. I would hope that he he does catch on. <laughs> yeah, Canons from the from the boot. With about his name. Like I said, his ability to play, his potential ability to play multiple positions would show up. Could be pretty beneficial in the next five, six years, whether or not he's a regular or not. All right, so we're going to drop down to double A, obviously, which we call the Homer Haven Park of Hodgetown. So, lighting out infielder Davison de los Santos and. Right, and right-hander Bryce Jarvis as our two guys to watch in Double A. Obviously, De Los Santos is going to get the uh, Bryce Jarvis is. It's a make-or-break year for him. It kind of is for both of them, but De Los Santos obviously has a little bit more rope because he's only going to be Rule Five eligible at age twenty-one or something like. That. Wait, 
Yeah, he's real. That's really the one thing. That's the only reason why it's make or break for him. Wasn't yeah. he? Wasn't he signed as like a sixteen-year-old? He was literally. So, he was signed. Maybe I think he was. Yeah, signed that's the only reason why it's make or. Uh, let me double check. He might have been. He might have been signed literally days after his sixteenth birthday. I think his birthday is in uh, June. I think he was. June twenty first. So June. So he signed July second. Yeah, so second. so he's. Less than, so that was less than two weeks after turning sixteen. Oh wow! So. That's that's a little shady. The Diamondbacks had an eye on him at, as a 15 for sure. Oh, they're um, scouting these guys at 13, 14 years old. Brett, Brett. They've already they've already got the deal. I know, I know they do. They agreed to at that age. Something yeah, I, you know, I have a I had a uh, I have a brother-in-law who's a Panamanian uh, baseball player. He but played uh, baseball collegiately for the the trojans and he was being scouted as a high schooler in panama as like a 14 year old so that's yeah. really like that's how it goes yeah it's it doesn't come as a surprise to anyone that's um familiar with the process but if you've read the book if you read the book future value you kind of see the whole thought process behind it and i know uh mentioned so well, there's, there are 14 year olds now agreeing to deals. Yeah. To sign for the 2025 January 15th class right now. Yeah, that's crazy. Bryce Jarvis was terrible. That's really the reason why it's made a break for him, which is it out of the way. Like, and has been terrible and has been a disappointment. And if he, and he hasn't even drafted that long ago, wasn't he drafted like two, yeah. two, maybe three years ago? He was drafted um, the same year as Fott, Sikoni, and Vukovic it, in 2020. It's a completely different thing with why it's make or break for De, De Los Santos. It's just the way that his age breaks down. Like, okay, so yeah, he's, he's got, right after his 16th birthday. It takes, he was a very raw prospect. He's still a pretty raw prospect. I actually think he will eventually make the major leagues and just may not be with the Diamondbacks. It may be with some other team. It may take him another three, four years to develop. Who knows? Um, the concern as I have, far as what the D-backs will wait on the D-backs will wait on De Los Santos if it if he takes longer. That's the thing. But to be honest, if he yeah. hits, if he rakes in Double A, what they're what's he going to do in arena? I don't More see homers. why he wouldn't. Yeah, like, I don't it's know. Like he's, Paul, he's it's hit. like Paul Goldschmidt. Once Goldschmidt, once Goldie crushed Double A, it's like what's the point of sending him to Reno? Oh, Gold, Goldie was crushing it from like the beginning, and that's pretty much what I mean. Yeah. De Los Santos has struck it. He's kind of. He strikes out a lot. He's got a really like big, powerful swing. And I think the joke was we'd call him thick De Los Santos because he's like just like he's a big, thick guy. So, um, no, it was it was thick, thick De Los Santos. That's his name. Yeah, based on what I've seen from De Los Santos in the fall league, I think I don't think he has problems recognizing balls and strikes that much. But I do think his swing gets too big, especially for a guy like like a ball over the fence. He's a very he's got a very aggressive approach. He almost reminds me of uh Guerrero where he's just like, "Oh, well, I can hit that, so I will try to." I feel like Guerrero an aggressive approach is a misnomer because Vlad Guerrero was very good at not st- striking out. He had the he had the best bat to ball skills of anyone. That's why he was so aggressive. I mean, there's that famous home run like uh, a, it was against the Diamondbacks where it's like, like literally a ball a ball in the dirt. Basically, that he hit as a home run, just pure 
super muscle power. And it's like that was his he, he was aggressive because he he could. Yeah, someone like he described got the his whole size. way like through that with that approach. So Vlad Guerrero had a walk rate of eight percent and a strikeout rate of eleven. His son is yeah. eight and sixteen percent. Although Vlad yeah, well, Jr. I mean, has chases less. Strikeouts were not were not as acceptable during when Vlad came up. Like Vlad Senior came up. Uh, I if you're running uh, a sixteen percent strikeout rate, you're like pretty much at the bottom in terms of like you're gonna have the most strikeouts. If you're striking out that much, you may not have a major league career. So Drive there since low. Nah, teams even back then teams would it's just average players, maybe so. But guys that brought yeah. unique skill sets probably stuck around. Yeah. Fangrass would have us. I'll check Fangrass to see what the average strikeout rate is. Because I know it's gone up. I don't know what like the baseline was when I started watching baseball in 2000 versus, you know, pushing so 25. Fangrass goes back to 2002. So this will put us right okay. at Vlad Senior's peak. Okay. Let me see. Let's see. Vlad, Vlad Senior's career was from 1996 to 2011. Let's take the average strikeout rate across that. All right. So the average strikeout rate. Go to advanced. You can see, obviously. Well, actually, nobody can see it, but. If you go by strikeout percent, in Vlad's first year it was 16 percent last year 18 percent it's yeah two percent but that's that's so if it's going up i know there's like the difference between means and medians and all that so um that just tells me like it's gone up enough like like there's like the it's rarity doesn't strike out anymore like the, the guy who just doesn't strike out like that's like what there's a there's a few players that you'll come across and like it's they're that's their main skill. It's just not striking out. If you have it's just like a slick defender who doesn't strike out, that's actually, it was a, you had a pretty long major league career ahead of you. And it's hard for a guy who just, you know, gets on base. I mean, I don't know. It's just, things have changed more. It's more acceptable for a power hitter, like, you know, to strike out as long as he's hitting home runs and getting walks. I think that was a adjustment to shifts. It's like, well, there's a shift. I might as well hit the ball where nobody can catch it. Yeah. That's the only thing you can do. It's going to be interesting this year to see how the shift being banned affects strikeout rate, uh, balls in play. I think it's going to make guys like Josh Rojas, Jake McCarthy less valuable because their ability to beat the shift won't be as prevalent. Although Josh Rojas beats a lot of shifts no matter where they're at. Got pretty. I, I will. Instead I mean, of having the hole on the left side, I'll have the hole up the middle. Over. Actually, no. It's just. Yeah, it's just the infielder just... will be on the other side a second. Never mind. Like people are talking yeah, about the I mean, man on chess, it, well, but I mean, it's not going to be that much different. I don't think it's going to make. It's not going to make a difference unless you're a Joey Gallo or a guy who's an extreme, extreme pull hitter. Mostly left-handed hitters is really like left-handed what? power hitters are going to be. How about somebody that actually better. makes more contact? I think it's going to impact guys like Dalton Varsho more than Joey Gallo. Oh, Gallo's trying uh, yeah, to strike I, out thirty-five percent of the time, regardless of what shift exists. I think the I the 
I think that's going to have larger bases. We have a lot of really fast guys on our uh, I think that you're going to see that because stolen bases have almost gone extinct at the major league level. Uh, I was going to say, Corbin Carroll actually might be the biggest steal, beneficiary. Like, yeah, that's, 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 that's not the first defenders. time I've heard that. If he has to range well, I mean, more than three steps, it's like, a cl- bang, bang, play at first to the infielder. That, that benefits Carroll, Thomas, McCarthy, Rojas, every guy who has a little bit of speed on the team, having that extra – half a second is the difference between sealing a base and getting thrown out. So like, why would like that? Why wouldn't that help him? Well, Josh Rojas doesn't steal based on speed. He's like Paul Goldschmidt where he just lulls pitchers to sleep. And Thomas isn't really much of a base stealer, but I would agree with that overall with the bigger bases. Now, the, bases to, the high a. Oh yeah. Patino, guy, because we have a guy who we get really high, we'll be- uh, is, so before we move on well, to high ends, talk about what we want to see from Jarvis this year. And for me, I think you guys see the walk, the walk rate has to come I want down. want to see him not suck. The home runs don't bother me. It's the walk rate that does. Uh, yeah. It's one of those. Th- yeah, his, his command where was really cute. Was- I don't know. A few of the games I covered last year, he like just completely, he had no command of the strike zone whatsoever. He just was all over I the think- place. He there was a pitch sequence where it was like two walks, two hit batters, then a home run. I think it was which the home runs fine. I think it was a case he got scared out of the strike zone because Amarillo can be a yeah pretty nasty pitcher. It, it's one of the worst parks for a pitcher to pitch in, especially a guy that relies on deception and movement like Jarvis does. It's he's basically yeah, being forced to pitch left-handed. But he's, I yeah, think the experience he is. Uh, Experiences. Uh, oh yeah, he's been shelled. It's it's like being a comedian and going up on stage. Like it's okay. It's okay if you bomb the first time. You get used to it. You can move forward if you're strong enough. You can go back at still it. Talk, succeed. We're still talking about a guy that has close to average velocity, velocity and the potential yeah, I, for three yeah. usable off-speed pitches. So it, yeah, his offense like, is really nice. It's, it's as long as he can command it and hit the strike zone and and getting out uh, Amarillo limit will be key. But Reno is not a much better of a an improvement. That's the well, The thing. one Reno thing about is Reno is there's only one place in Reno where you can hit a cheap home run. That's because there's a wind tunnel in right field. Yeah, it is. It's the Jameson wind. must have very... given up a lot about ten home runs in that went to that wind tunnel last year. It's it's part of it. It's just the, the locate the ballpark. It's not just the altitude, but the way downtown Reno is. Like the the wind funnels through there, and it's literally like unless it if they built it in a different place, it probably went bad. But because there's some tall high rises right by it, it makes it that much worse. It kind of plays like it plays very similar to Coors Field, I think. Although obviously yeah. the wind tunnel isn't as bad at Coors Field, and the Rockies did yeah it's not, mitigate that wind tunnel a little bit. Yeah, Coors basically is not, turn is home not runs the into triples. Like turning Coors home is runs not into the triples. same ballpark as it used to be. It used to be, no. they now they solve the problem of everything. You know, like it's, it's a huge outfield. Yeah. yeah, now they have it's now they have to do make this change to their outfield. The Diamondbacks realized three years ago you need Corb you need a Corbin Carroll, you need another Corbin Carroll, and you need another Corbin Carroll to successfully cover that outfield. Yeah, which is much. why I like their draft pick of Zach Veen to in the twenty one draft. Oh yeah, he's a he. Uh, he's a he's very fast. Oh, and he can cover a lot of ground. He can cover a lot of ground in the outfield. Like he's a, 
very impressive. Yeah, and then I think they the year after that in twenty two, I think they took Benny Montgomery. Or no. Twenty one they took it's twenty twenty was Veen, and then twenty twenty one they took another rangy center fielder type. So I do think the Rockies are learning. Yeah. It's like you gotta be able to win you gotta cut you have a big outfield. You have to turn you got to turn that from a weakness. You gotta mitigate that weakness kind of thing. That's also the thing yeah, that Dynamax have learned with their outfield. That's actually the fact that we have such a fantastic defensive outfield really does well considering when you're playing a lot of games in course field and a chase and like these like that's actually we have a better defensive outfielder when we're playing in cores than what the Rockies are throwing out there, which like that makes it that much easier to beat them. They're gonna they're gonna have a hard time this season. That's the they're one team win. that I'm really really like I'm expecting them to be very, very bad, like hundred game losses. I don't think the Rockies lose hundred. I think the Rockies are a team that always the floor is ninety. I was going to say the Rockies are a team that always overperform when you write them out and then they underperform when you expect them to do something. Yeah. So, okay, over, under on a 500 season from the Rock. Will they be 500? Definitely under. I think they'll be, like you said, around 90 losses. Yeah. If you expect the D-backs to win, the Rockies have to lose some of those games. Yeah. Well, they might get a bump from not having to play the Dodgers 19 times a year. Dodgers and Padres. Yeah. You're not just getting hammered into the ground. That's also going to be a good thing for the Dynamax. So, like I said, Jarvis, the walk rate has to come down. He's got to throw more strikes and then not be afraid of giving up homers, which is what happened last year. Yeah, it's, he need, I think him working on maintaining his composure after he, like, like there are times where it's like he does completely unravel. Like, he'd start out really well, uh, and then he would just walk, walk, hit a couple guys, home run and it's like clear like his psyche was being affected by just if you want pitching want in that environment like you just unravel so fought had a homer nine of 1.6 in Amarillo and we're talking about fought as the next rotation mainstay here so that's what I'm saying doesn't shouldn't worry about the home runs limit the damage of the home runs is the key yeah that's, and that's pretty much what we've heard from from Hazen and Strom is that they and they Luke's. don't care about the home runs they care about what, what they're doing after the home runs and if they're like just limiting the damage of those home runs pitching in Reno or Amarillo or even Vesalia. So yeah, Vesalia is not exact. Vesalia is windy. It's very windy, windy. But with the competition like, level, there aren't so many guys that can be. It, it's not like cheap home run. I don't think you can hit. It's not Lancaster. Okay. Lancaster was like the Ur example of like a windy ballpark that you would it's just Amarillo. get. It's Amarillo on steroids. Like, it is worse than Amarillo. Lancaster is the worst ballpark to pitch in from what I've heard from, like, the people who've pitched there. Not yeah, a fun that's why nobody. That's why nobody uses that place anymore. It's just... Yep. All right, so now we're going to move on. And since uh, we're talking about Lancaster, which was a high-A affiliate for the Diamondbacks about 20 years ago, we'll go to high-A and talk about Hillsborough, the one pitcher's park in the system. So I got outfielder. Am I showing my or... age? No. When I'm talking about Lancaster just, and like the the El Paso Diablos and teams like that, if you can remember Lancaster, you're a millennial. I yeah, I'm old, dude. I'm way I'm way older than people think. When I say millennial, I'm not talking about these 20 year old something somethings that are the same age as the players. We're talking oh. about 30, 40 year olds. I'm a borderline Gen X older brothers. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm a borderline. So, I'm oh, on the other he side. stole how many bases? 
62, I think. I'll look it up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah he, stole, he was, I think he was number three overall in stolen bases in the minor leagues last year. So it was a good steal rate, too. I think we only got caught nine, 67 out of yeah, 76. He, so that was he, 85%. It was 85, 86%. Yeah, no, that's, was, a, that's a good, that's a good number for that. Volume. success rate what you want to see. So yeah, the 94 games, 67 steals, although most of the damage came in Vizalia where you can pretty much run. And at A ball, you can run. If you can get any jump, you're going to make it because the catchers aren't accurate. But his uh, steal rate in uh, Hillsborough was 13 out of 15, so it wasn't like taking advantage of weak competition. They put up high stolen base rates. Although yeah, it's I, much, I just, it's I keep... much easier to to steal in to steal at lower levels. You're not going to have the catcher with experience of throwing out. You're not going to have the middle the middle uh, infielders with experience of you know gunning it out. Like even outfielders still learning to hit the cutoff sometimes. So uh, I don't think he's going to be like Ricky Henderson. I don't think he's a regular when he gets to major leagues. No one's going to be major Ricky Henderson. Ricky is something else. But if Wilder just develops some home run power, he actually could be like. I, a much higher ranked prospect than he is right now. Like he, he easily moves into the top 10. I mean, nine homers and 360 at bats. Well, if you pro write that to a major league, he hit more home runs. He hit more home runs last season than he had in his entire previous, uh, three times as many. So he, yeah, three times as many, like he, he had three across every single level before. Similar number of bats. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely an improvement. I'd like to see him continue the power development. He's young. Like, he's, he, he's 21, 20, something that age. So yeah, health, high K Watch rate. A health, a high K rate. Yeah. I think he's a, he's a fourth outfielder long term, but it would be literally perfect considering who else is here going to be here. Yeah. If you need, they need a right-handed, uh, if you have a right-handed a, guy with some pop in that outfield. And it can play all the positions. So he would literally be yeah, a no, perfect fourth a, outfielder. He's a defensive asset. He's an asset on the on the base pass. Base pass. As long as he just develops a little bit of power, he, he really is the perfect kind of what the Diamondbacks need for a fourth outfielder. Yeah, Keith Law is predicting a power the power numbers to start manifesting themselves more often. Patino will be twenty two. Yeah, in July. I have been preaching about Patino since last season. Of uh, this guy just keeps stealing bases and he's getting a little bit of like the pretty much the knock on him is he has like no power. Yeah, but he's, this last, he's got last the season frame to develop power too, from what I've heard. Oh yeah, so he's, he's still yeah he still looks like he's he's got like his frame's gonna fill out some more and he can put on some more muscle. Like he's a really lean guy, but when once he you know fin- finishes growing and fills out all the way, like he definitely could develop 10, 15, like pretty much Corbin Carroll's level power of like you know ten. Carroll's maxed out physically based on what I saw. Yeah, he's Carol. Carol's not gonna get bigger or stronger, or, or I mean, maybe it's an old man strength as he gets older. But that's that's a whole different. Like by the time he gets that power, he his speed won't be there. So, well, I Carol think Carroll's gonna be a guy that develops. He's gonna be able to adjust when the speed is gone because he's got the base stealing he's, he's, He just won't be a forty guy. He'll steal twenty. Yeah. Uh, your Diaz. I am yeah. not terribly yeah. familiar with with him other than really good stuff throws a hundred his deliver based on what I yeah, said, that's his delivery, I mean, there's a, there's the concerns about repeatability and command although the, steve mentioned him as a 
they mentioned that his command was getting better. I think he's a long-term, he's a bullpen arm, but he does, like I said, it's the same category as Vargas and Martinez. The stuff is too good to ignore, one. And two, there's some... He's put up some pretty good strikeout rate. He put up some pretty good strikeout rates in low A in Vizalia. So it'll be interesting to see how yeah. that translates into the next year. Although he is kind of old for the level. He'll be. A, Diaz is. Let's see. If, okay. I'm going to have to look it up. Check his edge. I think it, I think he's Diaz is 22. We starting the year in Hillsborough. But yeah. He's got he's got yeah. the body type for a guy that you would expect for a guy that throws a hundred, although maybe not as tall. He's listed six feet tall, but he's got a very sturdy build. Based on the video that I've seen. Obviously I just like I'm, I'm only like passingly like aware of it. Like his his K rate has been astounding. Uh like that's the first thing you notice is like just looking through his stats. Like he definitely has this, this strikeout stuff. It's not a surprise that he throws that hard. Um, but he's just the walks. Yeah. The walks. That's the real thing. Like he has a, like a really high walk rate. Yeah. Um, And hits a lot of guys too. 14 hit by pitches in 104 career innings. There were a lot of hit by pitches in, in, uh, Visalia last year that I've noticed. And it wasn't necessarily like guys being wild. It was a lot of retaliatory, uh, hit by pitches that I noticed of uh, like, okay, this guy plunks someone. Oh, then he plunks another one. And then everyone else gets plunked. So I think some of the A wild, wild west, <laughs> the hit by pitches in Vesalia were, um, I think there's, there's a, uh, there were several ejections over, over hit by pitches. Oh, by the way, too. There's something that's going to throw that one out of the water. Five of them came in Hillsborough last year, five of the eight, only three in Vesalia. You look at the actual oh. numbers. Unless oh, okay. there were retaliatory hit by pitches in Hillsborough, which wouldn't surprise me either. Then, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, like I literally, it's just it's the same situation in Hillsborough, Hillsborough, where I've noticed of, uh, like it's like suddenly everyone can't throw a strike, and the balls are just magnetically attracted to to hitters. Like that does not, like that's definitely there's some retaliatory hit by pitches going on with with Diaz and, uh. I mean, oh, yeah. if you really want to get revenge, you get the guy to throw a hundred to go. Yeah, plunk the guy that throws a hundred okay? <laughs> with a hundred, a hundred. Although I, like I said, if he develops a second pitch, it's like a hundred and you have a second pitch that works with that. You could probably, he's a non, non zero chance of closes. Although I don't think he's the long-term closer because I have, I already have a guy that has, that fits that profile. Worst case, I think that, that's, that his, that's his ceiling there. Or like a Joe Kelly kind of, uh, you know, career in terms Joe of Kelly, you know, throw had. enough strikes to be effective. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like enough. And I, and I emphasize the word enough. <laughs> That's pretty much. Yeah. Won't Joe be a Kelly guy, but just like, just throw enough just strikes effective. to be effective. And he's another good example of a guy you get to throw at people because he throws a hundred. Yeah. And Joe Kelly actually relished being the guy to hit people. Oh, he loved it. He loved I mean, it. He started, I, what is it. He started like I stayed healthy fights. and I pitched professionally. I would love to be that guy too. Yeah. Guys that throw that hard would love to be that guy. Yeah, as long as you miss, as long as you're not head hunting, I'm totally for that. Yeah. Look at Diaz. Obviously, the way he's going to pitch, he's going to be a fly ball guy. But 
fly balls aren't so bad at Chase Field no more. So that's also something to take note of with Ryan Nelson, who's going to be an extreme fly ball pitcher in his career. All right, so now we'll go into low A. This is since we met the topic. Zalia, we're going to be talking about left-handed pitcher Yumin Lin and infielder Manuel Pena. You Well, uh, Pena, like, I'm really keeping an eye on him because he had a really uh, pretty big signing bonus, didn't he? Like, 1.5 million or something like the international signing bonus. It was 1.2. So, like, he had a sizable, he had a sizable bonus. He's young. He's like 18, 19. Um, he's young for the level still. Third, I believe. He's not going to stick a shortstop. Yeah, I don't think he'll stick a shortstop. I think he'll end up at third or even second. Um, yeah, but you're not worried about defense at this point. You just want to see how he hits. No, he's a guy. Yeah, that, he's a guy. You, if you just if he can stick enough to stay at a position, then like that's, I think he's a guy that I think, like I said, at um, his first two seasons, obviously, Pena's only 19 years old, just turned 19 by the way, a couple months ago. So young, 19, already eight home runs and do that. 29 extra base hits and 400. And 500 plate appearances, so I think there's a guy that could be developing power as he gets older, gets into his 20s. Yeah, he definitely. He looks like a guy who would put on like he doesn't. He doesn't look like he's done, and like the bat right now, just the bat to ball skills, and uh, uh, just the dude can hit. And uh, as he gets more experience, he's really going to be like the bat plays. Yeah, and Um, there's a healthy amount of walks in his profile too. Yeah. Yumin Lin, uh, he's got a filthy, filthy knuckle, knuckle curve. Uh, yeah, he's gonna be a guy um, that it's gonna be a similar profile to Wallace. Throw enough fastballs to get him off your secondary pitch. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't throw hard. Roadmap. He's a soft tosser. Like, I mean, these uh, days he's considered a soft tosser, but he definitely uh, has 90s. some really nice. Some, yeah, low ninety. That's still really hard. But like when you have guys that are rarely pushing 95 plus like that's not unusual now 20 30 oh, years ago that's very unusual um yeah. but Lynn, like the- Lynn's stuff is still good enough that he can he definitely can work with his, his off-speed pitches are excellent like they look nasty if you yep. can find he, some footage of him he's probably a back like i said Lynn's probably a backup back-end guy i have been projected as the number five starter in 26 but uh like i said the second the changeup gets some pretty good movement like i said good fading action and then the slider, I think, also works pretty well when he throws it to the back foot of right-handed hitters. And you just throw enough fastballs up to try and... Enough fastballs up to try and change eye levels kind of thing. He's going to be a guy that has to rely on being precise. Although I do see elements of above-average control already. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he last year, I mean, he hit a 110 whip, which is like... Lots of strikeouts. Uh, he had an ERA under three. I mean, he, for a guy who's, uh, what season is? He's going in his age nineteen or age twenty season. I'm not sure, but um, won't turn 19, a, won't turn twenty until July. Okay, so yeah, he's he's still really young. So it would be te- his age nineteen season coming up, by definition. And I know he had some success in uh, the Chinese professional baseball league. Yeah, he's Taiwan. He's Taiwanese. Yeah, he pretty healthy. He got a pretty big signing bonus too at eighteen years yeah. old. Yeah, 
Um, what did he sign for? Five hundred and twenty-five thousand. Yeah, that's a pretty that's that is pretty sizable for uh, especially for someone coming from Taiwan. Like they're they're not usually known for getting massive signing bonuses. So uh, the Diamondbacks obviously like him. He's he's not he's a kind of a little guy. He's like five eleven. Yeah, uh, I don't project more fastball velocity coming in because of his frame. Yeah, I don't see I don't see him similar body type on to James. Yeah, very similar. I don't see him putting on a lot of muscle. Uh, but it doesn't have the same muscular build that Jameson does. Yeah, he's a thin guy. He's like 5'11", 160. Like that's, he's pretty skinny. Um, I don't, I don't think he has the the room to to. Yeah, he's not going to add a lot more fastball velocity. The best thing he can really do is just like those. If he does, then he, like he definitely will shoot up in terms of, yeah, like how highly he's ranked. Like that's a. Lynn's gonna a be a top from, ten prospect by that's like that's a gift from God if he develops some uh, if he throws nine if he averages ninety four he's literally gonna be unfair yeah that's so, yeah that's like a gift from God to the Diamondbacks and to Lynn if he can if he can gain two to three mile per hour on his uh, yeah. on his fastball because then his or he's he, a shorter his, version of Blake Walston yeah pretty much well uh, you expect almost reminds me almost reminds me of of, of like Tim Lincecum which is a, like you know you guy that. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't think had Lincecum would have had the velocity that he had. Like it kind of Lincecum came out also threw max was kind of the first pitcher to go max effort all the time. So he's, he yeah, had a short shelf true. life. But you'll take his career. You'll take his career. Oh yeah. I mean when I, I mean yeah Tim uh, Timmy fell off a. Once he know, started falling off the cliff, that's kind of when Matt King kind of broke out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then after Matt, and then Bumgarner came, and then Bumgarner became the guy. Yeah, and then like they had a different we, guy for each World Series. It was Linscombe uh, in 10. That, that Linscombe in 10, is... although Bumgarner had the best start in 2010. He, as a 20-year-old, he threw like this crazy he game was to that close season. it out. That he, was, was he was very, very nasty when he first came up. Uh, Madison, um, he's not the yeah. same pitcher that he is now. Like, no, I he can't be. Kill, he doesn't have I the would same. kill to have 2010 Madison Bumgarner going into the season. 2010 Madison Bumgarner gets 300 million dollars in this free agent market. Oh yeah, easily. He's he's gonna he, but yeah, I mean that's Yuman Lin is a guy. I mean he can succeed with the stuff he has. So, um, but hey, you can always hope for a little vol- velocity on a guy like that, and maybe you know he'll surprise some people. But even then, is like we sort of talking about his secondary offerings are really yeah. like they're like they're Bumgarner. Good. Lin's gonna have to rely on pitching backwards a lot. And outsmarting hitters. That's also something that Zach Greinke started doing once he started averaging 88, 89. His third year in Arizona. Well, that's that's all. You but Greinke always do, had the you... ability to pitch backwards. You just never. That, that's it. all you can do once you lose your stuff. I mean, you you have to. Like, I don't even know if I would necessarily call it pit, pitching backwards because, like, uh. It's not normal to be able to throw 99 miles per hour or like 100 for miles per time. hour for a long time. I'm like, unless you're like Nolan Ryan, who's like. Well, Nolan Ryan is a physical freak and literally reinvented the way the pitchers trained. Yeah. I we, He gave us, he basically, him and Tom House gave us Randy Johnson. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if, like, if you're watching well, this House and you don't realize per- it. If it wasn't for Nolan Ryan and Tom House, Randy Johnson would not have the career that he had. Randy Johnson would be like an all-time example of a, a all-time great prospect that never made it. Instead, he, re, he 
basically had a Hall of Fame career in his 30s and then had a yeah. pretty, de- pretty strong run in his 40s, too. I mean, his last year in Arizona, he was still an effective middle-of-rotation guy. Yeah, at like 46, 45. Just nuts. At age 44. 44. I I mean, the fact that he, he had like a perfect game in his you know early 40s. Well, I mean, that and, was the last year RJ had his A-plus stuff, 04. Yeah, how old was he? 44. And that's still okay. at age 40. That's why I said that's, Randy Johnson's a lot better athlete than people will give him credit for. And all it took was him landing on his landing on the ball of his foot versus the heel of his foot. That's literally the advice that he was yeah. given. Land yeah. your foot differently. Better bounce. Which actually that brings me up to a guy that I'm keeping an eye on that we didn't go over, which is Chaconi has changed uh how yeah. he like he's landing that foot. He's doing the exact same thing. He's switched from like just having this violent leg kick that's not repeatable delivery at all to landing on the ball foot every single time. Like it's that's really, probably why uh, he had inconsistent velocity too in the past. Yeah, I think that he's Chaconi uh, uh, is my dark horse breakout candidate of all the pitchers in the That'll system be, this year. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what num- it'll be interesting to see how he handles Reno. Like I said, his numbers in Amarillo were still above average, and the walk rate came way down, and the strikeout the walk ratio was pretty good. Despite yeah. the high ERA in Amarillo. That's just Amarillo being Amarillo. Yeah, it's not really anything. I mean, I think that, like, now that he has a much – his mechanics look so – like, I was – it's as soon as I looked at it last night, I was just amazed, like, how much, like, cleaner his mechanics is, how much more repeatable they are. And it's night and day. And it's all just the leg – the leg is different. That's it. Like, he's pushing yeah. off relatively the same, but he's not – like, he's – his kick last year would range from – where he's finishing now, which is right in front of his other foot to like, not even like the other side of like, he's all the way on the other side of his body landing his foot. Like he's all over the place. So it's not surprising that Chaconi had very inconsistent results because his, his mechanics were inconsistent. All right. So obviously you want to talk about any of the guys, the complex, obviously the 2022 signing class seems to have taken off pretty well. A couple guys, Ruben Santana, Christopher Torin, both infielders that project to play on the left side of the infield. Although, like I said, Santana has the higher ceiling because of the uh, potential for a plus power tool, whereas Torin probably is the more advanced bat of the two. So that's going to be, that's going to be interesting to see how the complex goes, obviously. Never actually seen a complex league game outside of the videos that posted on uh, YouTube. Worth noting that some GMs actually do check out complex league games. Like I know Hazen probably does because it's only a 20 minute drive. Or in Arizona, like it's like it's like or same thing with like I, I don't I don't understand why like a Florida GM wouldn't be checking out uh, uh, the Florida. Because it's like right there, like you can go go to game after after lunch and go watch his you know complex league players. Like I don't, uh, it's a little bit more spaced out in Florida than it is in Arizona. Everything is like thirty minutes away from Chase Field. Yeah, I, I yeah, Florida's a little bit Chase Field. I've I, yeah, I've been out like the Phoenix. I was surprised like how close everything is. Like I get, uh, I'm still very sad that we don't have minor league baseball in in the Tucson area anymore. I'm still a little salty about that. Um, but it's cool that like, yeah. you can go like 
like there's like uh how many comp like, i mean complex league league there's 15 or 16 uh, like that. i think there's 15 stadiums so i mean like it's a great like, great because then you have seven facilities okay, that yeah, are shared between teams and then the cubs have their own thing okay okay that um so santana is his birthday uh, 18 three days ago so um he's probably one of the youngest players you know they're both they both played league. at 17 how did he hit last year Torin turns 18 on May 26 and then Santana his stats were The only worry with Torin, obviously, given size and high on base and the lower levels of minor leagues, I worry about is he a guy that just takes advantage of the fact that pitchers at that level cannot throw strikes consistently, or is it a guy that can yeah. actually punish mistakes? That's I, the age old question. Goes both ways with, with that low of a level. Because any guy who can actually command the strike zone and actually can, like, you know, like actually has consistent stuff. Like you're going to succeed when you're hitting, they're you know, not going to get challenged like, until double a, those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're not going to be challenged. And then like the younger hitters, like, yeah, it's impressive when you have a 17, 18 year old, like raking. But in that case, um, he's facing a lot of pitchers who like aren't hitting the strike zone. Like you'll see much higher on base percentages because you have guys getting all the time. And we're getting, yeah, going to carry reason. a walk rate that high. When you don't regularly have innings where four runs are walked in. I was going to say, that's kind of the reason why Joe Elvis popped up a year ago, because he was a guy that could command the ball at a level that hitters not, at a level were doing yeah. that would pretty much. And then, of course, he had the uh, shoulder injury when he was going to build on that. Yeah, it was supposed to be a breakout year, but I still would. I still have him in my top 30 because the command still plays if if the injury doesn't affect I, it. That's funny because I actually took him off briefly because I was trying to figure out my last of my my top thirty, and I, I took him and Connor Graham's off because they were they're both like some serious injuries that like, but and then I put him back on after thinking about it. I, I still think like, hopefully like they, I said. if I they stay healthy, him. then certainly. Graham's a guy I'm that, more, yeah, Elvis. I agree with you. Who Graham's a guy? If the light bulb clicks, that's your next closer. Elvis yeah. is a guy, if he gains a little bit better stuff, he's a surefire starting pitcher kind of thing. And there's one of the guys to grow, but he's not ever going to be a huge classic, guy. A classic example of a pitcher we're talking about who, who is in the system that has good, great stuff. If you look at his stats, it's based on his like 13 K nine that he had was the Perdomo who struck out a ton of guys and then hit and walked a ton of guys. So he had an ERA, I think North of, of, of like, I mean, he was just ridiculous, but like his main problem was he's just striking at like just hitting guys. Like, yeah, he had strike, he had strikeout stuff, but he can't hit command the strike zone regularly. And he's regularly just like, he's all, he just completely loses it. And then we'll plunk three guys. And doesn't it's the difference between that and uh, Gilbert Diaz. Diaz didn't give up any hits. Yeah. I uh, Perdomo, like, I mean, there's the guy like that, like when they're off, 
they're off and he got hit hard, but he was still striking out guys at like a, I, I, that's what the only reason why he stands out to me is I looked up like how he was doing last year and he, he had like a 13 K nine at one level. So I'm like 13. Sometimes I don't look at K nine, especially if it's a pitcher that gives up a lot of base runners. You look at K percent. Yeah. I'm, Although, yeah. I, it, it was, I, I guess it's like, it, this was 26%. I generally try to look at capers and it. Yeah. That's ridiculous. What was his walk rate though? <laughs> was everything else like let's see his one peripheral that was good yeah 13.7 so, and then if we go to diaz so if we go to diaz in comparison Diaz had a strikeout rate of 35 percent in Vizalia. yeah it's 35 percent any level is crazy that's nuts you're striking out over a third of the people you face you're really good you strike out a third of people you face you're elite yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other lower level guys that are really worth. Uh, Jacob I made a big deal about Fox 32% strikeout rate in double A. How about Jacob Four. Steinmetz? Oh, yeah, that's a pitcher that could be in. He's the a lower level guy. Complex, maybe low A. He was always yeah, going to be a guy that's going to take six, seven that. years to develop. Still a work in progress. Oh, yeah. Did he. He just he just started playing baseball relatively like recently in his life. Like he's like an Orthodox Jew who didn't really. I think I didn't start playing baseball till like high school. So good body um, to throw hard. Yeah, no, he, he yeah he can throw hard. He's got the body to be a, an elite pitcher, but it's like still growing into it. Obviously, growing into it. He's going to be a guy to watch. Play. Upside. Yeah, play. I like him. Someone a lot. to watch think, in the complex. Yeah. Um, what else do we have on here? Uh, in the higher levels, I was talking about like Ryan Bliss. Uh, he really was bad through most of the season, but he kind of turned it around towards the end. And if yeah. he can, if he can keep up what he did at the end, uh, he'll 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 stay at where I had, which was uh, like he'll move up from the twenty the 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 twenty to thirty range to maybe mm. top fifteen if he can actually return to that. I don't that, think so. I don't think he will. I don't think he will. There's just not enough but, bat. Uh, yeah, he's really. I mean, if he has any, but bat he doesn't at all, necessarily need to be an above average hitter. But the problem is, you're talking about someone who's going to end up at a non-premium defensive position simply due to lack of arm strength. Yeah, I mean, he could be an elite second baseman for sure. Oh, he like would. he is really he. He's he a like slick. Slick. He would look like the second coming of Orlando Hudson if you put him out at second base today. Yeah, uh, I mean, if he can just hit it all, like he he actually could be a decent, uh, at least like a backup infielder, utility infielder, yeah. that kind of thing. Problem is uh, uh, Tim Tawa was another guy from like the more recent drafts that we had. That I mean, he was better than Bliss, in- but really, yeah, his numbers crashed in Double A. I would I would yeah, disagree. Uh, his numbers crashed in Double A. I did listen to this, though. It's kind of weird. Somebody goes from Hillsboro, a extreme pitchers park, to. Amarillo, the in the Hodgetown, the most extreme hitters park in the minor leagues and doesn't hit. That, yeah, that's, that's the weird. thing that's curious. That's the thing I'm curious. Like numbers. really like they're that's why I told you before we started, like that past my top twenty, like it's it's doesn't matter. It's like some of these guys, if they just have a good season this year, they're back in the mix. If they don't, they're gonna fall off. Like pretty much anyone on the list, like past twenty that's- for me is it's like either way. 
one through ten is the most important because ten's a nice number, and also those are the guys that everyone's been yeah. reading up about since the day they were signed, drafted, blah blah blah. Mm. So, I do think in the case of there are some guys that could pop up out of nowhere, like obviously Christian Robinson's one of them, but Christian Robinson's not a prospect until yeah. If he, if he does, get, if he could just get on a field, yeah, like that's the only reason why we haven't. He's that not even happen. like. It could happen. I, I honestly think he he that may actually happen. get that, on a field this year. That very well will happen. There's a strong chance it'll happen this year. I mean, it's, I think it's what, his probationary period set to expire at the end of the month or something? Um. Yeah, I think the end well, I don't of know this what, month. But obviously, the reason he I can't. Think, I heard March is what I heard. Because like eight, March he was April, sentenced cause... in August. It was 18 months. Assuming the sentence started immediately, 18 months would be February 23. Oh, okay, so probably the end of the month we'll know for sure what's going to happen with him. But uh, but then obviously that's not necessarily a, a closed case. Obviously, it would have to be then it would have to be moved down to a misdemeanor so Robinson could get a visa or his citizenship application would have to be improved. Yeah, he's, so it's not he's necessarily really, a done deal. If, if he can just get on a field. And play baseball professionally. Like I we'll really find think out pretty quickly if we'll gonna... find out if he's gonna be good or he's gonna be bad. And I think that I would bet on him if he can get on like I mean, I don't think I don't even know if he'll be able to play this year, but if he does, uh he could rock it up through the the organization oh. just based on his innate talent. Yeah, he'll get a chance. he'll probably get a chance to fail at the big league level at some point. I mean so. the thing that gets me with him is Jazz Chisholm said like he's a better hitter than me. He's got He's got a better batting eye. He's got better contact skills. He's a better athlete than me. Point blank. I asked him, like, who do you think is a better athlete? Like, who's a, a prospect? I would only agree with about you. half that. I don't, I, I don't know. I think he must have been very impressed by his his physicality, I think, from the sounds of it. I was to say, Chisholm has much better bat-the-ball skills than even he, than people realize. He oh, just yeah. He's got a lot of pitches. He's just like an aggressive approach, and that's that's – Okay, it he swings a lot for him. So, see. yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. We'll know for sure on Statcast. I don't remember Chisholm being a high K guy except for that one year where everyone forgot how to hit in Double A. Well, this this would have been the twenty eight twenty the beginning twenty eighteen twenty nineteen season. season. Smith was so, there. Dalton Varsh oh. actually had a pretty bad slow. Like the whole team had a slow start offensively, but they had really good pitching, so they didn't lose. So if you look at Chisholm, I'm going to look up his plate discipline numbers. So he swings a lot. Yeah. Although. Oh, Fangrass has swing percent. But his, uh, he swing. I'm going to check chase percentile rankings. Ah, uh, they're not going to give me chase rate percentile rankings. Although, like I said, very. I don't, I, all uh, I know is he's he's. I know Bahamian. They're both from the Bahamas. Oh, uh, play discipline numbers tell me nothing. It just his swing rates are clear, close yeah. to average. Never mind. I don't know. It was just the thing that he said was offhanded, like that. He was very impressed with Christian Robinson. Like he was like, dude's a stud. So yeah. I mean, I I take an. Ad- Athlete who's like played with a guy more than like I mean they play a lot together just because they're he was the guy assigned to Christian Robinson to kind of get him acclimated to the major leagues or like to, to minor league baseball. 
But also keep um, in mind, he might be pumping up his own guy. Yeah, it could be that too. That's why I get it. But like, that's why you got um, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I just think that it's like it, it's worth noting that it stood out to him. So if he if he can yeah, get I mean, on the field, then he's the one guy who's not on prospect list right now who will be could be in the top ten by you know the end of the year. I mean, you just top. He's probably what? Who would you put? Who would you put ahead of him if he has a good year? Who would you put ahead? Uh, ahead if he had a yeah. If he has okay, if it was a good year and you if he double A requirements for you or triple A at the end of the year, I would say no higher than double A. Okay. Um. Although they may have sent him to triple A when the double A season I would put him ahead ends. of. Well, okay. Let's say that. Um, All right. So, would you put nothing changes? Okay, nothing changes with our with our prospect list. There's no promotions. Nothing assume, included in there. I would put him uh, ahead of we're project certain and, guys to get certain guys to graduate out of the list. So, Carol fought. We will not project Lawler. Okay. Carol fought Jameson Nelson and Nelson come off the prospect yeah. list. Who would you put ahead of him? I would put him after Lawler, Lawler and Jones. Lawler and Jones. Would you put him ahead of Sacconi and yeah, Walston? Uh, I, I, oh, I'd have him at like five, maybe then. Like I put him at like top five at that point because I wouldn't put him ahead of Sacconi or Walston. They, you know, everything. I would put Sacconi and Walston. Walston Sims ahead of. Robinson in addition to Lawler and Jones. Yeah. I don't know about Sims yet. Just because like he hasn't really pitched, you know, <laughs> but well, I'm I mean, I'll put him at like five. Be something. Oh, we he, he'll be something, but I'm just saying right now. Okay. So I probably put him at like six or yeah, five or six, but he's easily top 10. If he has a good season and he plays. Sims um, if, he's, sh- if, he if Sims pitches well, he's going to shoot up the boards just as fast. Oh yeah, he's easily moves from from. Uh, like I have eight right now. I he's he's probably number three, number four if he has a good season. Yeah, it'll be three With or four, either a good that. season or not. Like yeah. I said, Sims is not going to be a guy that gets challenged until probably Reno. Yeah, that makes sense if he's healthy. He's got a healthy arm. I mean, I challenge if he, until Reno, he pitches basically. in Amarillo. Yeah, he'll probably still be I think enough the stats to limit the damage. Yeah, I mean, you look at like Fott and some of the other, some of the other like Amarillo should have been a challenge, really wasn't for some some of our pitchers. Yeah, the one reason I don't project Fott to be the next great D-backs ace is when he does miss over the zone, he gets hit hard. As evidenced by a high home run rate, even for Amarillo. They were listeners because uh, the other guys were much lower. Actually, Walston might have had a whole higher home run rate, but he was a uh... Walston basically had to reinvent himself the second half of the season because the curveball don't work there. Yeah. So before we go, do you want to talk about the 2023 draft and kind of just start laying the groundwork? Yeah. Future episodes. I... We, we were talking, you guys, you and I, uh, one of our other colleagues, James, 
was we're having a conversation. Yeah, we we're talking guys, about Jacob and Wilson. I, there was there was yeah, Jacob Wilson, and I went and I looked through guys to find someone that could actually fall to it, fall to the Diamondbacks, and I came up with I'm not sure how to say his name. It's like R O C H. Uh, oh, Rock Cholosky. I actually saw him at the yeah, uh, Rock Cholosky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he's uh, that dude. He's gonna be a stud. That's who I want the Diamondbacks to draft. If he's, they might not know. be signable. Yet I don't. No, see I don't. Think, I don't know if he would be. But signability is obviously a concern. Signability. Also, I th- really feel like the D-backs should draft. Should look at a college bat if they want to maximize the window they're trying to make. Yeah, I, I agree with that. They so really if you should look be at, going for someone. So we can pretty much like, yeah. So someone like, like they need to find someone who's not going to be ready in four to six years. They need to find someone who's going to be in the you know in the majors in like signing bonus a couple stand. years. Yeah, if you have to. So obviously we rule out cruel uh, Cruz, as I said when you were talking. I made I was joking referring to lose for Cruz. Campaign oh, yeah. Dollander's gone. Eight, I said he should change his middle name to eight million. Oh yeah, he's gonna get paid. I mean, that's Langford's the only probably gonna go. The only reason why we'd have access to uh, Paul Skeen's gone. Players you, you guys discussed those, was those four are gone for sure. If unless they have ridiculous signing bonuses and like the D backs are willing to go overboard with their uh, like go over yeah. slot, like I really don't. They're see not gonna be able to spend more than five. We're talking probably a budget of five yeah. million dollars with that pick, though. Anyone that's need more than five, so like if Max Clark and Walker Jenkins fell out of the top ten, you're pretty much throwing your you would have to throw your entire draft at them. Yeah, and I don't. Not, I don't see them. I don't see them going with that strategy. I see them doing lots of college arms and college bats and trying to maximize, like you were saying, maximize the window of contention. And because we have the last I want couple to see years, what would happen if they drafted Enrique Bradfield? <laughs> You would have the best defensive outfield in the history of the game. But you would have three players. Possibly. Yeah, Bradfield and where would you play those guys is the question. The answer you just is yes. have a rotating. You have you a rotating for outfield, you know, with the DH hey, rotating each one out, you know. I would assume yeah, that NFL would be Carroll in left, Bradfield in center, and Jones in right. Mm, I guess the one place you could try think, and sneak balls in is down the right field line. Doesn't Jones have the best arm out of those three? Yeah, that's why I said that. Yeah, okay. You got say, two 80-speed like, guys. The other two guys are 80-grade 80 spe- 80 speed. Yeah, that's that's a ridiculous outfield. That reminds me, like, when they... When the, that's the, better the than any defensive Aramers, outfield you've probably seen. Wasn't there a brief period where, like, I forget, it was like, uh, it was one of the teams that Mike Cameron played on. Yeah, Mike Cameron um, made every outfield look good. Dude, he was nuts. I'm trying to think which I year can't. it was. I gotta look this up. I was when he was with the Mariners. Go to his pr- baseball reference page. So he was with Seattle from 2000 and 2000 to 2003. So we'll. What about okay. his all-star the, year? The, oh, the, that the had Ichiro one. in the outfield, too. Ichiro and Mount Cam- Mike Cameron, okay, in the outfield. That is an insane – you don't even need the third outfielder there. The two, those two guys could cover so much ground. If Griffey had actually stayed healthy and stayed with the with the Mariners – If you put Griffey in the be- That would be one of the best defensive outfields ever. Oh, yeah. 
Because Griffey um, was in his prime. Trying to think who else was a really uh, that's pretty much comes to mind is when it was they had Cameron. Well, last year's outfit Cameron. was pretty good. You had the Carol Thomas McCarthy combo it was pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. Last year's outfit was great. Um, and yeah, but see- no, like that, Mike Cameron and Ichiro in their prime defensively, like Ichiro and Cameron both had. I mean, really they did good win 116 games. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The old one, that that old one outfield. I don't know who else was in that. Team. They who also had that? John Olerud at first base, so they certainly had good first base defense. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think who their left fielder was. I need to pull that up. I have no. I can't even remember because I like was barely. I was barely into baseball at the time. Oh yeah, here's a good one. You know who the third baseman was? Um, David Bell. Yes. Yeah. That guy. I was trying to think of. Oh <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, guy. yeah. David Bell. I feel bad for him. I don't think he's a bad manager, but he's stuck on the Reds. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's funny. Uh, Brett Boone was on that team. That's I've some Carlos Kian. Al Martin. I have no idea who that is. Take a look. Who the hell is Al Martin? Oh, okay. So he had one. Uh, he's a blow oh, average. So. One more. He was an average player, basically. One run below. Oh, okay. it was his last so big he... league season. Uh, yeah. So, like, if you if you had someone beside, I don't know who their fourth outfielder was that year. Who was? They need one. They didn't. Oh, oh it's Jay Buner. They had Jay Buner in there. Um. Stan Javier, whoever that is, they had some. I think they actually had like uh, what they had Scott Pasednik made his yeah. debut. He had five, he was in five he was trading games. The White wow. Sox in 04? No, no. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think the I think he was traded in 03. But, well, let's get back on topic here, obviously. So Going back from Bradfield, obviously Jacob Wilson's a pick at third shortstop. He might be, he might, he's good enough. He's um, son of Jack Wilson, and, and his glove is yeah, is good. He looks like his dad, like he's got, he's like an improved version of Jack. Like if you look at Jack his swing, it's, yeah, it's if Jack Wilson could hit. Um, yep. I really, actually, I really do like him. I would love for the Diamondbacks to grab him, but I don't think that's gonna ever happen. Yeah, I don't think. He, I think he's probably the. Once you get past, uh, once you get past the big four, obviously they're one through four are pretty much set in stone. It's just a question yeah, of order. Then you, obviously it comes down to preference because then you got Jacob Gonzalez, who is either going to be a short. I I don't know if Gonzalez will stick a shortstop, but he'll be a third baseman otherwise. So I think West it's side of the infield. It's, it's too early to project. Well, he's uh, got a body type that profiles for third. He's listed yeah. at six two two. I'm just saying it's it's so early to still have uh the yeah. baseball baseball season to play. Um, there's some guys who could like absolutely like the guy I mentioned. Uh, college guys Chal- usually don't. Chalansky, he could. College guys usually don't shoot I'm up or down like, a lot unless there's a high school guys obviously can shoot up helium, like Jackson Holiday. Yeah, yeah. First round to first overall. Whereas but I, I'm just saying, like it's it's still very or there's still like basically a season of sports to to play. Yep. So I mean, like the the projected top five could actually be completely different. 
I mean, that's happened before where it's like someone gets spring, hurt. It looks like it's going to be one way. Someone gets hurt, something happens, and then it completely changes. That's why I usually don't even like worry about uh, who we're drafting and like like looking at potential draftees until really like May, honestly. Like it's almost like it's college guys don't really move in the year. College guys really don't move up in the draft because you already have five years. But they they fall though. They fall though. They will fall. That's that's usually either injury or if somebody finally finds a hole in their game. Yeah, so I mean, but that's with the thing uh, that, Dolan, with the top four college guys, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't. Hitters I mean, don't, I don't usually fall. I'm more thinking of of Obviously I could see years. some some big risers, you know, moving up in the draft that could change things a little bit. But like, I it's just and there's always injuries. Those are the main thing. It's more like that's a combination of injuries to the guys near the top, plus some really good you know seasons from high, from high schoolers can lead to a very wild and completely different draft than what you'd expect four or five months before. And then also keep in mind the college pool is deeper than it is usually because of oh, yeah. 2020. We're finally deep college a, draft. And all like we're almost to a normal development now. Like we're, we're still post, two years away from COVID. That. Yeah. It's it's still that's why it's really it's interesting to yeah. see uh how, how things will shake up. Yeah, I don't really got, have a projection. And then obviously Clark of, like, and Jenkins draft. If if they have like a $7 million signing bonus demand, they might slip. So then that affects the college crop even more. Cause your D backs wouldn't be able to sign these guys unless their demand was like 5 million. And plus, uh, you know, like Max Clark obviously is considered the consensus top high school guy. But then again, re- remember going back to the 2020 yeah. draft, Pete Crow Armstrong was that guy at this point. Yeah. 2020 draft. Yeah, that's what, that's a the good example. As I remember everyone talking like, "Oh, I don't." Uh, yeah, that's well, like the Pico. There's a whole bunch of guys that like I remember like being. I do remember watching uh, in the Walker. conversation as I. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, I remember guys that were like that, like you know, were, like had your attention in February or March, and then I uh, come draft well, day, like they're the like either. They're, they're drafted like way or like way. I'm just, I just was like, I don't have the best timeline in my head, Michael. You know that. Um, but like, it's like by the time you guys talk, like first bring them up and then where they're at on draft day, it's it can be very different. Yeah, like, we can just uh, go back through the snake pit archives. And then there's like an Elijah sure. Green who's always, he's always was in like, you know, top 10. Uh, well, I never really, Elijah or, Green never fell. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was always like in the in the mix as being like a top ten pick or even a number one pick. He didn't really fall at all. We were nitpicking so, him at two, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like there are some guys that like yeah, they're not going to change at all. But then there's guys that like you know injury can happen. You have a terrible season, and or you could have like uh, a, last year's draft was weird. Or because ten guys have, or ten guys have better seasons than you. Or you know, co- a pandemic happens and uh, everyone's what? screwed. Pandemic happens, or about half half the college ar- off the top college arms, and even Tommy John surgery. Yeah, Sims, Pallet, a couple other guys. I mean, Rocker was coming had injury concerns. I think that's almost because of the pandemic, honestly, because they had yeah. a, a layoff period and just not pitch while, and then starting to pitch again like that. That's an easy way to injure yourself. Yeah. So obviously, the next group of college got gu- college guys: Jake Wilson, Enrique Bradfield. Hurston Waldrip. I don't see the D-backs drafting a pitcher, though, at 12. 
Uh, yeah, no, I see them dropping in like a college hitter. They probably. usually go. They usually go bat with their first round pick. Or Jarvis is the only time they went arm. And I, I would almost they almost regret it at this point. So I wouldn't say they. Uh, regret but then again, it. look at look at even Pavin hasn't turned out great, great yeah. as a college they, bat. So yeah, the twenty seventeen draft was pretty weak one because obviously what out of the top ten who's the best player. I mean, uh, you could make an argument that like Varsho was the best player in that draft. I, we I came up with, like, uh, like it's going to be close though. I think there are going to be a couple guys that might try to catch up to him. Depends on if Hunt, the light bulb clicks uh, on for Hunter really Green. Wasn't, that wasn't. Yeah, that's the one guy who's like uh, I. Would, I think Hunter Green should take a page out of Jameson's playbook. Uh, yeah. It's got a pretty flat fastball, so instead of trying to shape into a vertical pitch, in the way he throws it, just throw a sinker. Yeah. Throw a sinker and let the movement yeah, no, hit and just embrace the movement. That's what Jameson did. That's yeah, that's a great that's a great way to, to pitch effectively if you have a flat fastball. It's not like Ryan just Nelson. Get, like can... a little more downward sink on it. Yeah. Embrace embrace the arm angle. Yeah, yeah. Embrace if you have a if you have natural sinker and natural curve, like you should embrace it. Like that's something that like that's a a god given talent there. Yeah, so that's why why not James use it from, instead of trying to change it? Yeah, although there is a downside. If well, actually, the sinker works well with the slider, but if you want to complete the repertoire with a sinker, you have to learn how to throw a change up in that same slot. But yeah, if you can, it's like you could have a long career as a starter with just those three pitches. All right, so some other college bats, obviously. Braden Taylor is an- another name. Name I would, In fact, Braden Taylor is probably the most likely guy I would look at at this phase, phase of the draft class. Bra- if they go college bat, I think Braden Taylor is probably the most likely since he's a guy that can fly up, fly up through the system and he's your third baseman in two years. Oh, okay, that's actually – that's my – it would be the draft like a more bat first baseman or third baseman we don't have a lot of corner it would be a very safe uh, the, it's a farm. very safe pick but there's yeah there... wasn't Pavin's safe pick safe yeah but Braden Taylor's obviously going to be playing a better position it has a little bit more defensive value that's the one yeah. difference and you're not picking I, top 10 I, yeah that that is true I mean I I think that's probably a good a good route for the Diamondbacks to take in, in this draft is to get like a third baseman. Uh, you know, yeah, you could survive like, with I, Josh Rojas, we, but you wouldn't win. Josh Rojas is your yeah, everyday third baseman yeah. instead of a utility guy. Actually, I don't know where you would play him defensively. It's one of those guys that's doesn't quite fit about four different positions. Yeah, Rojas doesn't really fit him. He's he actually reminds me of Ben Zobris, like peak. No, Zobris. Ben Zobris. No, Zobris is different. Zobris could play all the positions. I, yeah, he was a better fit, but he didn't really fit great at any. Like, I mean, he was like more like a prototypical middle infielder when he was coming up, and they just kind of like shuffled him around a bunch. And I just like yeah. I don't see Rojas uh, really like he doesn't strike me as a third baseman or anything other than like a guy who's going to be shuffled around a bunch of different positions. Well, I mean, Zobra started off a little Which, bit slow defensively, but when they made him the super utility guy, his defensive value skyrocketed. But yeah. Zobra's had the tools to stick at short 
Yeah, Rivers came on, up as a shortstop and had the tools. That's right. Just didn't have the consistency. I, I was thinking like po- post uh, him, he came up with the Rays, right? 2009 um, is when he played all the positions that pitcher and catcher. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's impressive. Yeah, and his defense, you know how his defense, uh, baseball reference, reference uh, gave his defense? Plus 25 runs. No. For 2009. God. God, yeah. I I knew it was a ridiculous number, but I didn't realize it was that. That's ridiculous. I don't, I don't really still don't think we have a a great handle of defensive metrics because that just doesn't, it doesn't seem right. That kind of defensive value plus plus 150 OPS plus. (laughs) Why didn't he win the MVP? Ridiculous. Who won the MVP Um, in 2009? Because we still had old people that. That think that batting. Oh, Joe Mauer won the MVP. Yeah. Oh, last year that Mauer was really good as a catcher. Mauer's last great season. Yeah. I can see why Joe Mauer won the award then. So then Zobra should be second. Although Teixeira did put up some pretty crazy numbers. I don't think Zobrist even finished like uh, in the top 10. Like, I don't think he even think he got an MVP vote at all. Oh, he he got eight. Okay. Wow. He should have been like top three easily. Behind Miguel. Uh, Derek I, Jeter got. Wait, Derek Jeter? <laughs> oh my. Derek Jeter gets a um, lot it's of. It's Derek Jeter. He's surprised. I know. He Derek got coasted on. Exceptional. He coasted on Yankees. Oh, That's why Derek people Jeter. think there's a Yankee bias. There is a Yankee bias. There was a Yankee bias. There will always Yankee... be a Yankee bias. Well. Maybe People were saying that the, the Yankees it's should have won the world. Th- like I remember in 01, in 01, people said the Yankees deserve to beat the Diamond. The Yankees not like oh they will they're a better team. No, they should have been swept. Yeah. And actually, they own yeah. the Diamondbacks the actually were the won better team. Of Bob just, a bu- bunch of Bob really didn't even manage poorly. It was just weird stuff happened. Well, you don't throw Young Young Kim out there three days in a row after like the third day after blowing no, he two only saves. Games four and five. He didn't pitch game three. I, I thought he blew he blew he blew three saves. Two. Two? Are you Anderson sure? Anderson got I the L three. in game three because he gave up. Oh, a, oh, his, yeah. He left the guy on base, and that guy had a right. winning run. I forgot. I forgot about Brian Anderson. He was really bad too. Um, Anderson got screwed by everyone playing behind him. Well, actually, he got screwed by his catcher. Although, uh, yeah. I was going to say, obviously, like I said, D-backs vastly, starting rotation, I think, gave up how many runs that series? Eight? Oh, God. They were, I, if you just, like, I, the, reason, the whole reason why I got in baseball was because of the Diamondbacks rotation in 01. Like, seeing yeah. Randy Johnson, All Kurt right. Schilling, and then... Miguel Batiste, surprisingly good. Like, I still think he's the most underrated member of that of yeah, that eight team. scoreless innings, yeah. In a series uh, flipping game, gave up nothing. Yeah, Miguel Batista was the key to that that World Series, and I like after seeing them and seeing right, like so. Craig Council with a walk off home run or whatever it was in in the divisions, and then it was a crazy like it was very obvious to see that they had the momentum to win the World Series. All right, so we're gonna get back so. on topic here. Let's take a look at some of the arms. Obviously, Waldrop. I was looking at some videos of. Router, louder. I was gonna say, 
Blatter's a guy that might pop up this year. He's mentioning guys that, uh, although actually he kind of broke out last, started breaking out last year. Although they say the scan reports has three quarters arm slots. So I don't know if they necessarily like that. Maybe a fastball slider changeup guy. Yeah. And then Yohandi Morales. An upside play at third, but question will be a bat the question is uh how much of an average he's gonna hit for to go with that power. Yeah, I I honestly like I don't I don't have anything to add as far as today. Like I'll have some guys that I feel like there's a chance like now I, I if I like make a prediction of who they'll draft there's no one no they're not gonna draft anyone that I suggest right now so I will forgo yeah, doing I guess, that it'll like I said it'll depend on what happens with the high school guys because diamonds are in position half the guys I just heard of these people so like Cruz, Dollander, Langford, your, your list Stevens, of guys Gonzalez, that you had to open up with this I, I just looked and about Wilson last night. Are probably a lock for the top 10 those seven players I mentioned will probably be in the top yeah. 10 unless there's injuries. Because so those are I college mean, guys I, I mean, and they have really five years of data. I don't know. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they probably will go that way. Um, it's much easier to protect a college guy just so you have more more data to work with. I really just, I just like, don't know. I mean... Yeah, we'll get in more into the high school. I'm sure there's some high schoolers that are really on our radar. So, yeah, if you want to look at some yeah, high school guys like Mitchell like, as a I catcher, want... although college ca- high school catchers are risky, yeah. you don't know what position they'll play. Um, I I mentioned Clark and Jenkins are probably like, not likely. High school catchers succeed. Yeah. Noble Meyer, I think, is going to be an interesting arm. Like I said, a big um guy with a plus fastball and a big body. Big body that could grow into it. I think he's probably the one high school arm I would consider. At uh, the one high school arm I would consider at twelve. There are definitely some others. I have seen Charlie Soto. Tom, I actually didn't see okay. Thomas White. His look is, Soto's delivery uh, kind of concerns me a little bit. But I, I'm not as six five, two yeah. like almost two hundred pounds as an eighteen year old. That's a yeah, was, that's a big boy. Yeah. That was noticeable too. So yeah, it's definitely like I said, it's and he's, it's like he's very looking at him like he he's I, I will find him at twelve. I was gonna oh, say absolutely. It's gonna be a question of what you want. It's like it's gonna be a question of how much a high school guys going. Heck, Noble Meyer might not even be out there at twelve. I could see him jumping into the top ten based on what I've seen of him so far. Yeah, he's he's uh looks like the classic projectable uh high school pitcher. Yeah. Imagine that's, Blake that's Wilson, what you want, except light handed. So. Yeah. Um so yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I don't think loud loud oh uh, I don't D backs prefer vertical arm slots guys, so the louder might not necessarily be the guy. And then uh Waldrep, obviously another he's a guy that could be He's a guy that's obviously got some reliever risk, but he'd be in the back end of the bullpen as a reliever. And I think kind of concerns me a little bit, like I said. Don't want to necessarily take a high upside arm with a heavy injury risk. 
too early in the draft. Like I said, the sweet spot would be second, the CBA or second with your second pick, in my opinion, like D-backs did with Sims and Jameson both being selected 30. Yeah, that's overall. That, that seems to be their MO actually to use the competitive balance pick for someone who's like a, a little bit more of a flyer of you're going to have to yeah. see if he'll get healthy and recover, but has dropped due to, you know, injury. Listen. Like that's seems to be uh, the MO. Oh, 34 Jameson Nelson. I would, I would expect them to do 19. something, something similar to that. It's a Coney yeah, 20. So, uh, so that's not really 21 seasons that they've done that. It's going to be a weird draft. It's basically Lawler. Lawler and pay, don't pay attention to the rest of the draft class. Yeah, pretty much just law. The 22, they took since. So they, that has been an MO and I like that. And I definitely like that MO. Because these are guys that are either going to be starters or closers. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty... I mean, it's actually a good... That's the one area that you're seeing market inefficiencies is... Uh, oh, by the way, Chol asked... Like, guys are coming off of injuries. Hamilton yeah, that's actually why... I, well, he's, a lo- he's a local boy. So I would love to... Watching the Diamondbacks, who wants to play for the Diamondbacks, and... Like that's why not multi-sport athlete, but they're saying he might not stick at shortstop. Although he probably profiles for third. He'll profile for third if he doesn't stick at shortstop. I mean, he was a quarter. He was a quarterback, so it clearly doesn't lack arm strength. You want to talk since we want to talk about that? Huh. Yeah. I feel like this would be a better draft for the D-backs to have CB round A than last year, but then again, I would take Sims over most of these guys. Um, I mean, that seems like Sims actually, like, I'm excited to see him actually pitch this year. Like, he, you know, we draft a player and then you kind of have to wait and see. It's not ideal. So if I were to make, you know, as a fan. So if you want to make a bet on who they might pick this early out just for posterity's sake, who would you take? I'm going to say Noble Meyer is the guy at 12. That's, uh, I'm going to go with who I said in the first place. Uh, uh Charlie Soto? Ro- Roach Cholansky. We're going to go with him. Rock Cholansky? However you say his name, I apologize if he ever sees this and us butcher his name. Uh, I'm going to go with him because uh, I have no credibility when it comes to that anyway. So if I'm right, uh, that last name is pretty day. easy to pronounce. Lat first name a little bit more tricky, but yeah, I would. I actually have some notes from the high school pitchers. Obviously, I might share that later, but got to go. Obviously, yeah, yeah. It should be uh, pretty interesting to see how how things shake up over not only with the Diamondback system but also the draft. The next what five months? A little less than five months until the draft. So we'll yeah. see what happens with these high school guys. Uh, yeah, it's the all-star break. Yeah, all-star some of the guys we mentioned on here take, might want to start looking into them, obviously. Like I said, uh, high school guys can jump up or down usually. Like I said, it's, it could be a case where high school guys just fly up the draft board and that allows the D-backs to take a Jacob Wilson, potentially. Yeah. Or, they fly up right to the D-backs pick, and they want to take upside. So, okay, yeah, it is less less than four months. It's July 11th is the All-Star break. That's fine. So that's um, July 11th is... So that's about 140 days. 
20 weeks yeah it's not it's not that far away yeah so i mean it should be what is the actual draft though 2023 sunday before the all-star game Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that this board this, the, this, after the All Star games. So it's in, in the last day of the nineteenth. Well, the board pretty much will will have a clear picture of the board by mid June. Mid June, when the College World Series is over and everyone's done. Yeah, playing. that's yeah, late, late late May, late May June, pretty much. So yeah, you definitely want to check out uh, it be Pipeline's draft board just to have, because, it, well, it's not paywall blocked, and also, it's a good thing to screen cap, obviously. Yes. You might see someone rank 20 jump up in the top 10, or you might, kind of thing. It's a weird, it's going to be a weird but interesting draft, I think, for the Diamondbacks. Like I said, we're going to be seeing who flies off the board. But I do think college guys are going to be dominating the top 10 because of the less, less um, the more certainty kind of thing. But if they don't, it's a good yeah, thing for the Diamondbacks. Then you don't have to worry about the bonus game as much. You just say, here's full freight. Take it or leave it. And they're not going to leave it. Yeah, that's... That's... It's a, they're, I'm just curious to see what they'll, like... Uh, if It seems like they may shift gears from the strategies that we use. I think they still will probably draft, like, a guy who's maybe coming off of a surgery that's fallen. Um been doing that so like that's the one thing you kind of you kind of fit the mo of what mike hazen has done which is draft uh guys up the middle and pitchers that they don't have really to, take a know, heavy risk profile with their first rec- pick either because i was gonna say jones is probably the yeah, riskiest prospect they pick very safe pick. i mean like they're probably they have a certain profile yeah dra- they pick a certain profile. they have a very they absolutely up the middle guy that, at this point we can up the middle athletic up the middle guy Although that might not be available to them unless Jacob Wilson falls to them, but the athletic up middle yeah. guy who has a good hit tool or a pitcher that has good control that has a vertical fastball, fastball and a good breaking ball kind of thing. That's what we should most likely expect. Yeah, I see them. I see them going more pitcher than than uh, yeah. than hitter with the first pick this year because they've kind of. It seems they're going to There's going to be a run on really those guys. Good. Yeah. All right, anyway. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Like I said, we'll let you know when the next episode comes out. Probably be sometime in March. We'll have a clear idea what's going on in spring training. Please like like and subscribe and uh, leave a comment on all the videos. And if you disagree, let us know and we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, and let us know which prospects interest you both in the draft and in the D-back system. Take care.